Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Well, we're in John chapter 10, and we're going to be talking about how knowing Jesus changes your life. And in John chapter 10, verse 11, the scripture says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. Praise God. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He sacrificed himself. He gave himself for you and for me. He cares for the sheep. So as we go into John chapter 10, verse 1 through 10, we're to talk about Jesus is the door. Notice what it says in verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up another way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This parable spoke Jesus unto them, but they did not understand these things when he spoke unto them. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes not, but for to steal to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Praise God. So Jesus is the door. And he says in verse 9, by me, if any man enter in, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Praise God. Jesus is the doorway to salvation. He's the only one. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. So he says, by me, if any man enter in, he will be saved. There's only salvation given in one name under heaven, and that is the name of Jesus. But notice what he says, not only will we be saved, he says we will go in and out and find pasture. Do you know, I believe that provision is available all the time, 100% of the time, to those people who are in Christ, who've come through Christ into the sheepfold. I believe that we can go in and go out and find pasture anytime, no matter what's going on in the rest of the world. When we go through Jesus, Jesus is not only our peace, Jesus is our provision. You know, in Genesis chapter 26, there was a famine, and Isaac prayed to the Lord about what to do, and the Lord told him not to depart from the land, but to stay there. And it says in Genesis 26, verse 12, that Isaac sowed in the land in the time of famine and reaped a hundredfold. Praise God. And it goes on to say that he had much silver and much gold, and he had many men servants and many maidservants, and the Philistines envied him. You know, in the world, the world can be experiencing a famine, but we can experience God who is more than enough. 
I believe we ought to be the envy of the world. And not, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what the price of gas is, or what the price of groceries are, or what the interest rate is, praise God, or, or what the stock market's doing, we ought to be the most blessed people on the face of the planet. Because we are connected to Jesus. We are connected to the vine and his spirit's flowing through us. And not only that, we're receiving his direction. Praise God, he gives us direction. He says, my sheep know my voice and another they're not going to follow. And I believe that God can bless you no matter what's going on in the world. I love Psalm chapter 1. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of God, and in it does he meditate day and night. And he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. He, his leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Praise God. I believe that when we're obeying God and led by the Spirit and following His Word, that we can be blessed no matter what's happening in the rest of the world. Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 17, verse uh, 5 and verse 6. He says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. He's not going to see when drought comes. His, he's not going to cease bearing fruit. And he's, his leaf is going to be green. One translation says he's not going to drop his leaves. Praise God, we are just connected to the vine. And even though dire challenges and difficulties may be going on in the world, when we're connected to Jesus, when we're connected to the vine, praise God, he can direct us and he can protect us. He can take care of us well. He says, I'm the door by me. If any man enter in, he will be saved and he'll go in and out and find pasture. He says, it's the thief that's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You see, the work of the devil is stealing, killing, and destruction. But the work of Jesus is that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, when you look at that word in verse 10 for life, that word in verse 10 for life is zoe. And it means absolute fullness of life that be belongs to God and Christ. Do you know what? You have the life of God in you as a believer. You have the very nature of Jesus on the inside of you. He says, real, genuine, blessed life. Well, where's the blessed life? The blessed life is in Christ. And if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you have his life on the inside of you. When he says, I've come to give you life, that's zoe, right? That's the nature of God, the character of God. And have it more abundantly. The Greek word for more abundantly is the word parasos. And it means more beyond measure, exceeding abundantly above, over and above, more excellent, superior, and extraordinary life. Praise God. God wants to, you to have life that is extraordinary, that, that is above, that is excellent, that is superior, that's beyond measure. Praise God. Now he uses this same word in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 where the scripture says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works on the inside of us. So what power do we have working on the inside 
inside of us. We have the power of the life of God. We have the very nature of Jesus. We have the power of the Word of God. We're born again by the incorruptible seed of the Word of God that is living and abiding forever. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank God the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us and quickens our mortal body. We have the power of the love of God. In context, when you read Ephesians chapter 3, Paul's praying for the church, verse 14 through verse 21, he's talking about the love of God that passes knowledge that's on the inside of us. And then he says, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to that power that's working in us. So I believe no matter what's going down in the world, praise God, no matter what the price of gas is, no matter what the interest rate is, no matter what the grocery, you know, price is, no matter what the stock market's doing, that we can be blessed, that we can have life that's exceedingly abundantly above anything that we can even ask or think because Jesus Christ has taken up residence on on the inside of us because he's at the door, praise God. And he says, by me, if any man enters in, he's going to go in and he's going to go out and he's going to find pasture, praise God, because of what we have in Christ. Now, the second thing that we find as we read through these scriptures, we find not only is Jesus the door, he says, I am the good shepherd. Let's begin reading in verse 11 through verse 18. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he who is a hireling and not the shepherd who's on the sheep or not sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and he doesn't care for the sheep. See, somebody who's a hireling, they run when trouble comes. But Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd and when trouble comes, I'll lay down my life for the sheep. I'm gonna give everything for the sheep because I care for the sheep. He, he says, the hireling runs because he's a hireling and he does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known of mine. Praise God, Jesus knows who his sheep are. And his sheep know him. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Just like I'm in a relationship with my Father, my sheep are in a relationship with the Father through me. And he says, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one fold and one shepherd. I am glad that the Lord is our shepherd. Praise the Lord. You know, when I was just a little bitty boy, you know, when I was about just, just three or four years old, my great-grandfather, he would, he would hold me in his hand. He, he was up in his 90s on my grandmother's side, on my dad's side, and he had a beautiful head of white hair. I remember I just loved his, his beautiful full head of white hair in his 90s, but he would, he would hold me in his arms and he would take the Bible and put the Bible in his hand and then he'd take a magnifying glass and he would read the scriptures, praise God. And I just adored my grandfather, praise God. But one of the scriptures he read to me was Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now when I was first saved, just about eight years old, I began to try to memorize Psalm chapter 23. And when I read that, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I thought, no, the Lord is my shepherd and I want him. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But what he said, because the Lord is my shepherd, because the Lord cares for me, I do not lack. I don't want any good thing. 
He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the most dangerous places. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now a lot of times people like to read that psalm, Psalm chapter 23 at funerals because they think it's all about the future. But if you read it and look at it really closely, there's six verses and five and a half verses are talking about right here in the right now, right in this life. The Lord provides for us. The Lord gives us peace. The Lord gives us righteousness. The Lord protects us. The Lord heals us. You know, he anoints our head with oil. That's part of the healing oil. Praise God. My cup runs over. He says, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. What are following me? Goodness and mercy is following me all the days of my life. And then he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Not only do I have a good life right here in the right now, amen, but we have a good future. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank God that the Lord is our shepherd. In Ezekiel chapter 34, the Lord speaks to Israel and he speaks about really the lack of shepherds, but then he begins to talk about having a good shepherd. And he says this, and he will be our shepherd. In verse 11 through verse 18, he says, for Thus says the Lord, Behold, even I will both search for my sheep and seek them out. A true shepherd goes after the sheep. You remember the story of the one shepherd that had a hundred sheep and he loses one? He goes after that one sheep. And he seeks out his flock in the day when he's among the sheep that are scattered. He says, so I will seek out my sheep and I will deliver them out of all places where they've been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Thank God he delivers us. He protects us when there's darkness, when there's evil. He says, I will bring them from the people and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land and feed them on the mountains of Israel by the rivers in the inhabited places of the country. He feeds us. Praise God, the good shepherd feeds the flock. He cares for the flock. He says, I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel, their foal will be. They will lie down in a fold in a fat pasture. They will feed on the mountains of Israel. They're going to find a place of peace in him. He says, I will feed my flock and cause them to lie down. We find rest in the Lord. He says, I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which is driven away and I will bind up that which was brought broken. Praise the Lord. He heals this, the sheep. And he says, I will strengthen that which was sick, but I will destroy the fat and strong and feed them with judgment. Then he goes down in verse 23 and he says this. He's talking about a day when Jesus is going to come again. He's talking about a day when Jesus is going to be the shepherd of the sheep. Praise God. Not only is Jesus Savior, he prophesied about that in Psalm 22 and, and Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus is Lord. We just quoted Psalm 23. Jesus is our Lord. That's talking about right here, right now when we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. And then he says in Psalm 24, Jesus is the coming King. 
So he begins to talk about this day when King Jesus is going to come and reign. And he says in verse 23, I will set one shepherd over them and feed them, even my servant David. He will feed them and he will be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken it. And I will make with them a covenant of peace. And I will cause the evil beast to cease out of line. He gives us peace and protection. He says, and they will sleep in the woods, there's, there's a place of rest. I will make them and places round about my hill a blessing. Do you know not only does the Lord care for the sheep and feed the sheep and lead the sheep and protect the sheep and heal the sheep, but he makes his sheep a blessing. Do you know one reason God blesses you is to make you a blessing? Praise the Lord. He wants to make you a blessing. And he says, I will cause a shower to come down in his season. There will be showers of blessing. And the tree of the field will yield her fruit. And the earth will yield her increase. He provides. And they will be safe in their land. And will know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke. He frees us and delivered them out of the hand of those who serve themselves of them. And they will no more be prey to the heathen, neither will the beast of the land devour them, but they will dwell safely, and none will make them afraid. So the Lord is our shepherd, and he provides for us so well. He's a good shepherd. What's he do? He cares for the flock. He feeds the flock. He protects the flock. He seeks those who are lost. He causes the flock to rest. He heals the flock, he leads the flock, and he makes the sheep a blessing. He even makes us a blessing. Isn't that good? So it's good to be cared for by the Lord, isn't it? Isn't it good to know that the Lord is our shepherd, and when trouble comes, he's not running, but he is right there to protect us, to help us, to heal us, to bless us, and to bring us through those challenging things that are on the earth. Now, Jesus goes on in verse 17 and 18. I want you to look at this. He says, therefore, does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man takes it from me, but I, I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This commandment of have I received of my father. Jesus willingly laid down his life. Jesus gave himself for us because he loved us. Praise God. Do you know what? They couldn't have taken Jesus' life unless he willingly gave it. In John chapter 18, when Lazarus brought the religious leaders and the different people to, to get Jesus, uh, or Judas, excuse me, Judas brought them to, 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 uh, to, to arrest Jesus. It says this in verse 3, Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things would come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, and Jesus of Nazareth, he said, they answered, then they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. There was such power in his word. They couldn't have take, taken him unless he willingly gave himself. You see, Jesus said in Matthew 25, verse 53, he said, don't you think I could ask my father and he would send 12 legions, more than 12 legions of angels to get me. A legion of angels is 12,000 angels. 
He said, I could have called on my father and he had sent 144,000 angels and more to take care of me. Now, anything that knows, you know, you think you know warfare, but there is no warfare like angelic warfare. I'm telling you in the future. See, Jesus came not to set up a physical kingdom. He came to set up a spiritual kingdom. And that's what he did in his death and resurrection. But when Jesus comes again, he is going to set up a physical kingdom on the earth. And I'm here to tell you that there will be no army that will stop him. There will be no weapon that will stop him. There will be no uh, nuclear bomb that will stop him. Jesus is going to reign over all the earth. And once he straightens this thing out, we're going to go into a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness. And there we're going to ever be with the Lord. We have a bright future in Jesus. But I want you to know that Jesus willingly laid down his life. He willingly gave himself. Philippians says this in chapter 2 verse 8, that he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He goes on to say this in verse 9, wherefore because of this God has highly exalted him and given him a name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. Praise God, every tongue in heaven, in earth, and under the earth confesses that Jesus is Lord. Jesus was Lord of all things in heaven when he created all things. When Jesus walked on the earth, Jesus was absolute Lord over every situation, over sin, over sickness, over death, over disease, over lack. Jesus was Lord when he walked on the earth, and when he went to the grave, he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. Jesus Christ is Lord. But see, they couldn't have taken him and crucified him unless he willingly gave himself. But Jesus willingly gave himself. He sacrificed himself. He went to the cross for you, and he went to the cross for me. He went to the cross for the world. So thank God for what he did for us. Now we go back to John. Notice this in John chapter 10 and verse 18. He says, no man has the power to take my my life from me. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This commandment I received of my Father. So Jesus, first of all, is the door. And when you know Jesus as the door, he says, by me, if any man enter in, he's going to be saved and they'll go in and they'll go out and they'll find pasture. There's peace and there's provision in him. Number two, he's the good shepherd. And you can tell that he's the good shepherd because he gives his life for the sheep. Not only that, but the sheep know him and they follow his voice. Praise God. He leads the sheep. Praise God. And he'll lead you into good things. But the third thing Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said, I am the son of God. Now let's look at verse 19 and we'll begin to go through the rest of the chapter. Notice this in verse 19. There was division therefore among the Jews for these sayings. There was, a, Jesus caused division? Really? Yeah, in John 7, there was division because of who he said he was. In John 8, there was division because he ministered the grace of God to a woman caught in adultery. In John 9, there was division because he healed a man that was born blind. Division between those who confessed him and those who did not confess him. 
Do you know, once in a while, there's a little division. We had our camp meeting, and you know what? Lauren Bobert was here, and she said some things, and it really riled up some of these liberal devils around the world. You know what? I'm telling you, they were divided, and, and they were angry because we allowed Lauren Bobert to speak, and because she said a joke, you know, and because she said a joke. Listen, we've actually had hundreds of calls this week. We've had people, you know, give us death threats and give members of our staff death threats because because Lauren Bobert made a little joke and because we laughed. Hallelujah. Well, anybody that's conservative would probably laugh. Praise God. And she was just joking, by the way. Hallelujah. But you know what? If you never rile up any devils, you're just probably going the same way. We got some people, they never have any opposition. You know, because they're just going the same way or they're not standing up and being counted. But I'm here to tell you, Lauren Bobert loves God, and she loves Jesus, and she loves life. She's pro-God, she's pro-Christ, she's pro-life, and she's pro-freedom. And she makes some of those on the other side mad. Now, you know the only people that really attacked us, two types of people. Number one, the liberals. You know what? They don't love God. They don't love Christ. They don't love life. They're not pro-life. And I'm telling you, I am boldly and unashamedly pro-life. And I'm here to tell you, if you don't like it, I don't care. God is pro-life. Praise God. And so I'm not, gonna, I'm not going over there and I'm going to talk. But listen, I'm pro-God, pro-Christ, pro-life, and pro-freedom. I still believe in the Constitution. Praise God. By the way, Ohio made some good change this week. And if other states would follow what Ohio did this past week, we would stop a lot of this senseless shooting in the schools. Praise God. You know what? When I grew up in the schools, we carried guns. I had a gun in my gun racks. I went to school. I hunted on the way. I hunted on the way home. Praise God. I was in the, in the high school play when I was a junior. I carried my dad's 357. I was the sheriff in the play. Draw, and I pulled my dad's 357. Praise God. If they'd quit making these schools, you know, gun-free zones and make them like our church, I'm not going to put a gun-free sign out there on this church and have some nut walk in here and start shooting a bunch of innocent people. By the way, the states with the most liberal gun laws are the, are the most, they're the most dangerous, the ones that have the most laws. Those are the most dangerous places to live on the planet. Chicago's a great example. But if we would stand, listen, I'm still pro-freedom. So I'm pro-life, pro-God, pro-Christ, and pro-freedom, and I'm not going to make any apologies for it. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we didn't have any problems with people shooting people when I was a kid. Two types of people. Number one, the liberals. Aaron's telling me to talk. The two people that attacked us. Number two, the dead religious people attacked us. We're not going to stand for you. La, 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 la. I don't care. I'm telling you, if the church doesn't stand up, we're not going to have a nation to stand up for. Praise God. It's time for the church to stand up. It's time for the church to get a backbone. It's time for the church to speak. It's time for the church to lead the way. We need to lead the way. 
And you know why America's in a mess? Because too many times the church has not been standing up and boldly speaking forth who we are and what we have. Praise God. So I'm not ashamed of God. I'm not ashamed of Christ. I'm not ashamed of life. And I'm not ashamed of freedom. Hallelujah. Praise God. So just like Jesus caused some division, we got a few people causing a little division today, and that's because they're standing up for the truth. Now look at what happened. There was division, verse 19, among the Jews for these sayings, and many of them said, he has a devil. He's crazy. Why do you hear him? And others said, these are not the words of him that has a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? And it was at Jerusalem on the Feast of Dedication. It was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and the Jews came around to bed him and said, How long do you make us doubt? If you be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness. Jesus said, You can tell who I am by what I do. But you believe not because you're not my sheep, as I said to you. You see, the problem is a lot of these people don't know God, and they don't know Christ. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. See, Jesus goes on and says, I am the son of God. When you know Jesus as the son of God, Jesus gives you eternal life. And not only does Jesus give you eternal life, Jesus gives you security. Listen in verse 29. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again. Like this didn't happen just once. To stone him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father, and for which of those do you stone me? And the Jews answered him and said, For a good work we do not stone you. But for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. And Jesus answered them and said, isn't it written in your law, I said you are God's? He quoted the scripture to them, Psalm 82, verse 6. If he called them God's unto whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, say of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world that you blaspheme because I said I am the son of God? See, Jesus is the son of God. And when you know Jesus as the Son of God, Jesus as the Son of God gives you eternal life and there's great security in knowing him. He says, if I do not the works of the Father, believe me not. In other words, you can judge me by the fruit. Praise God. You know how you can tell the work of God and the work of the devil? The thief comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. I've come that you might have life and that life more abundantly. Praise God, stealing, killing, and destruction comes from the devil. Life and life abundant comes from God. Hallelujah. He says, he says if I don't do the works of my Father, believe me not. But if, but if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works that you might know that I, and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Praise God. So knowing Jesus as the Son of God gives us eternal life, and there's great security in knowing Christ and knowing that life. Go with me to Romans chapter 8. I want to read just a few verses in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. He says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, how do we know that God is for us? 
He tells us in verse 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he, the father not with him, the son, freely give us all things? You can know that God is for you because of the cross. Because God sent Jesus to the cross to save you from your sins. But notice what he says. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? So if God would save you from your sins, how much more would God heal you in your body? Praise God. If God would save you from your sins, how much more would he give you peace in your mind? If God would save you from your sins, how much more would he want to bless you? Praise God. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not, God did not spare Jesus, but he sent him to the cross for us. How shall he, the Father not with him, the Son, freely give us all things? That means when God gave you Jesus, God gave you everything. So in him you have forgiveness for your sin. In him you have peace for your mind. In him you have healing for your body. And in him you have provision and blessing. In fact, the Bible says in Acts 3 verse 26 that God sent Jesus. Jesus to bless us in turning us from our sins. I'm so glad that I trust God, and I'm so glad that God sent Jesus not only to save me, but to heal me, to give me peace, and to provide for me in every area of my life. Let's go on and read a few more verses here. Look at what it says in verse 33. Who will lay anything to the account of God's elect? Who's going to put something on your account? He said, it is God who justifies who is he that condemns? Is there anybody that condemn you? He said, it is Christ who died, rather is arisen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. I'm so glad that Jesus is praying for me. Amen? Are you glad that Jesus is praying for you? The Bible says in Hebrews 7, I believe it's verse 25, that he ever lives to make intercession for those who come to God by him. You remember Peter, before, you know, when, when, when they were, you know, before Jesus was taken away to be crucified. And, and, and Jesus was telling them that everyone's going to deny me. And Peter says, though they all deny me, yet, Lord, I'm not going to deny you. And Jesus said, oh, yes, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. But he says, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, you will strengthen the brethren. Amen? When Jesus came back from the dead, when he was raised from the dead, he said, go tell my disciples and Peter. Go tell Peter. Praise God that I'm alive. He wanted Peter to know that he loved him. He wanted Peter to know that he had forgiven him. Praise God. And then what happened on the day of Pentecost? Peter got up and preached and 3,000 people gave their lives to the Lord. So he's not condemning us. Aren't you glad that he says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no judgment against those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus took all of your judgment on the cross. He took all of your sickness. He took all of your anxiety. He took all of your poverty. And he took all of your sin. So he goes on and says this. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation? Distress? Persecution? Is that going to separate us from God's love? Famine? Nakedness, peril, sword? 
For as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In other words, Jesus went and conquered the enemy. Jesus won the battle, and he gave the victory to you. Praise God, more than conquerors through him that loved us. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, that there's no condition. Death can't separate us from him. Life can't separate us from him. Angels are principalities. Angels and demons can't separate us from Christ and for his love for us. Nor, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Nothing in time can separate us from his love nor height, nor depth, no amount of space, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So thank God, amen, for Jesus Christ. And when we know Jesus as the Son of God, he gives us eternal life. And there's security in knowing him. He goes on and says this as we read in verse 39 to verse 42. Therefore, they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. You know what? He knew his time wasn't come. And he went away beyond Jordan, the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. And many resorted to him and said, John did no miracle. But all things that John spoke of this man were true, and many believed on him there. Amen? When you know Jesus as the Son of God, amen? Jesus as the Son of God gives you eternal life. And gives you security in knowing him. When you know Jesus as the good shepherd. Praise God. You, you, you know his voice. He leads you. He guides you. He protects you. He cares for you. He feeds you. Praise God. He even makes you a blessing. And when you know Jesus as the door. You can go be saved and go in and out. And find pasture. You find great peace and great provision in knowing Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.